I'm thrilled to announce that TSK has returned as headline sponsor for another season. We all see that the world of work has changed. We've seen a true workplace revolution in the last few years. The line between work and life is blurred. We believe the fundamentals of this change is here to stay. When you're a leader in that environment, you're probably having those ongoing questions through the uncertainty, questions around how we can draw people back to the workplace, how we can stay competitive, where are staff supposed to work, and we measure office utilization. How do we transition into hybrid working? How do we maintain the company culture and how much space do we actually need? Why do we even need an office? TSK has spent over two decades helping some of the world's biggest brands to create inspiring places to work for their people. Working with them to create robust workplace strategies, creative design solutions, and quality built environments. TSK's track record is impressive and we wanted to share some of those insights and stories with our listeners here on the Workable Podcast. Well-known global brand, Kellogg's, has always maintained their values for a concrete and positive company culture, expressing this as hashtag like at K. This was most important at the Dublin offices, home of the Kellogg's European headquarters. In 2019, TSK, our headline sponsor, began working with Kellogg's to realize their dream workplace to help their local and European community thrive. But then an unforeseen global event turned the project on its head. More on that later in the show. Welcome back to the Work Bowl podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions, space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and in this episode, I'm joined by Dan Pilling, Workplace Strategy Consultant for our headline sponsor, TSK. I've seen Dan speak at events, and I had the privilege of sitting next to him at a black tie interior design event here in London. That night, we had a deep conversation on the future of work and how working from anywhere impacts the workplace, and most importantly, how his customers, from big corporates to fast-growing scale-ups, are accommodating new ways of working. Understanding this is crucial for those of us on the supply side of office real estate. So I invited him to share his deep insights with you. Dan sits on the customer side of the table when they are planning their workplace strategy. In this episode, he shares how physical workplaces can be strategic in supporting the purpose of our work, including how to think about the office as a creative factory. Dan says it's important to be intentional in creating conditions for innovation and authenticity is a high priority. We talk about what's driving the cadence to come back into a physical space as a team and why people are choosing to come together. Dan says experience is king, and we discuss some trends that are magnetizing, not mandating, people to come back to the office. One of them being coffee quality, which I can certainly relate to. Shout out to our bold coffee. Speaking of, Dan shares how companies are thinking about buildings with spaces of service in their workplace strategy as they right-size their core footprint. I could go on and on because there's so much content packed into this episode, so I know you'll be taking notes on this one. If you do write a value bomb down, please do share it with me. As always, if you have any questions or feedback or topics you want covered, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. 
Earlier in the show, we introduced the beginning of a workplace transformation for Kellogg's European headquarters. To tell you more about that story, let's hear from the design and build team behind the project, TSK. Our existing relationship with Kellogg's spanned back to 2018, when we designed and delivered their world-class UK head offices in Manchester. We were ready to raise the bar in Dublin, building a strategy to see the team move from two buildings into one unified, open plan and connected space at Dublin Airport. The design had been agreed, work was already underway, then COVID hit. Headlines like, the office is dead, is remote working here to stay, were circulating and businesses around the globe were reconsidering what the purpose of the office was for them. But if anything, it solidified the work we were about to do. We wanted to create a space which is more representative of our brand, the way we've innovated and changed in the market. We wanted our offices to look and feel like that as well. It sort of comes back to our four C's about connection, creativity, culture and collaboration. I'm joined by Dan Pilling, Workplace Strategy Consultant for TSK Group. With over 25 years experience in the design and build field, Dan helps organizations formulate workplace strategies which acknowledge the complex and uncertain times that we're living in now. Considering people before property, Dan's methodologies and evidence-based approach inform the case for change at large corporate organizations whose supply and demand equation for office accommodation has been forever impacted by hybrid work patterns. He believes that the future of the office is still bright, a future, however, that needs to consider experience ahead of cost-cutting, of course he'd say that, supports diverse work activity ahead of desk presenteeism, I agree, and looks to create future reconfigurability ahead of space ownership and status. Makes sense. Working at TSK Group as part of the consultancy team, he's currently working with a number of high-profile organizations to support reshaping their office portfolios to best respond to the work landscape of the future. We hear about some of those organizations today. Welcome to the Work Bowl podcast, Dan. Good afternoon, Caleb. Are you well? Yes, fantastic. It's great to be chatting with you again. This is the third season that TSK has been headline sponsors of this podcast. So I'm going to suggest that our listeners know about TSK by now, but I want them to get to know you and how you think, because we had a great chat a few months ago at Battersea Evolution for the Mixology Awards. Uh, To be clear, this is an interior design event, not bartending. Um, (laughs) But I must say, Dan, you look very dapper. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Of course, of course. It was a black tie event, if anyone's wondering. But um, in that chat that night, um, you, you made some very bold statements on the future of the office. And you know, I've been looking forward to this episode ever since. So if we can kick this off, can you maybe share what your role as workplace strategy consultant entails? Yeah, I, I, I certainly can. Um, I mean, I've, I've, had a, I've had an interesting career. Um, I started off in, in, in architecture and design um, almost 25 years ago. Um, and what um, what's transpired over my career is I've, I've found a, a real need to um, to get to the kind of nitty gritty of what informs uh, uh, design decisions. Um, and, and you know, throughout my career, I've, I've really focused on on you know my opinion as a as a designer at, at that point. Um, and actually, over that period, I've really started to build an understanding of of what makes organisations tick. Uh, you know, what informs decisions in the C suite. The decision makers within an organisation, and I think where, where it's led me to is is a is a specialism in in workplace design, particularly, um, but actually using an informed toolkit of, of data and insight capture at the instigation of a workplace transformation 
to to help those decisions to be you know as informed as they can be and to listen to those diverse perspectives and i think that the more perspectives you can have the the more relevant the solutions can be so i think i think that kind of that that whole piece around getting things done but but doing in a way that that acknowledges a more holistic picture really it's making sure that everyone in the organization has a voice into the process so you can deliver a a strategy that creates an inclusive environment i suppose yeah, I, I think so. I think there's there's always a danger that you you open that uh, you know you open the floodgates. It becomes a, a you know an overly democratic process. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm you know, I, I'm definitely of the opinion that you know all opinions are are valid. I think I think the stewardship of that journey becomes the important part, and and that's that's really my my role with with clients. I almost sit semi uh, on board with with clients as a, an embedded consultant. To, to navigate that because you know a, a lot of those perspectives might be just noise a lot of those perspectives might be just about you know the, the pain points that, that a business might have but it's it's really important to acknowledge those but also have a, have a look to the future and and make sure that you know that that, that it's it is more strategic by by its nature and I think anything that the past uh, couple of years has, has shown us is actually you know short-term thinking can can easily be disrupted and uh, I think there's a you know, you know, you can't, you know, second guess the future, but you know, you can, you can be, you know, well equipped for to 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 deal with that uncertain future. There's been a lot of uncertainty lately, of course, and um, and you guys at TSK support a lot of enterprise clients. I'm sure you've heard uh, everything from A to Z, but you know, companies like Kellogg's and Sodexo and and Eversheds, to just to name a few, you guys are helping create the future of work, and you know, you guys are hosting your own events on hybrid working. I'm just curious, you know, we often hear about the benefits of remote work. And when people talk about the office, it tends to be people with vested interest calling for everyone to get back to work. But you were you were on a Workplace Geeks podcast recently talking about how the <laughs> physical workplaces can best support the purpose of our work. So, you know, we'll put a link in the show notes to that podcast if anybody wants to listen further. But I'm hoping that can you just share, give us a little taste of that episode. Yes, yeah, certainly. It was really interesting being put on the spot, especially in front of a of a live audience. Nothing quite like a, a bit of a bit of pressure to sort of uh, you know drive some uh, some some clever answers and all, all the long words I I could I could muster. You must be um, glad we're going to edit this one. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I think what I tried to do is not necessarily kind of bring some home truths out, but but talk about my experience of of, in, of engaging with with real clients with with real problems to solve the workplace industry is you know there's a lot of hyperbole there's a lot of exaggeration there's a lot of trend based solutions and it and it's easy to get wrapped up in in that kind of idea of you know chasing the the the, the new all the time but a lot of the time when I when I get involved with clients um you know it some some of the basics they just haven't got a grasp on how many people work in the in the organization you know the the shape size quantity of their properties the facilities they have some clients I meet don't even have a facilities management function within the business so it's really important that you build a strong fact base upon which then to 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 build your strategy going forwards and that I suppose what I tried to cover in in, in the podcast was 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 just talking through that methodology to help that piece around you know making informed decisions because I think with that informed basis we don't necessarily then just try and replicate you know what we had pre-COVID and I think there's a there's a 
I think it's an importance to to learn the lessons of the past couple of years and and really you know leverage that experience and and also the the kind of new habits that people have formed into a world that that's you know that does focus on uh, individual effectiveness and effective effectiveness of the team um, you know rather than just a, you know proliferation of, of patterns that maybe were in place before. Well, I'm hoping to dive into you know some of these recurring trends that you're seeing as companies are and you're helping companies reinvent their own offices. And if I could just carry that Workplace Geeks podcast topic forward, but then bring up one of your LinkedIn posts about one of the clients that you've supported, Frog. You call their new offices a creative factory. That's a new term for the office. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting term, isn't it? And I think it comes down to the very essence of, of why we need a place of, of work. When we think about the purpose of the office, uh, it's really important to to do a, a, a deep dive on that and and call into question some of the assumptions that that, that we've had over over time. You know, lots of businesses have, have, have seen uh, you know redundant desks. They've seen uh, redundant facilities within their office. And and when we then start to look to the future, um, it's if if we think about the the unique aspects of of our business and and why why we need to come together. Um, it, 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 it helps us frame that purpose and it also helps us think differently about the kit of parts we need to uh, to provide so that people can have that you know that effective day where they have a, a frictionless experience with technology and and yes we create those conditions for in, innovation you know the idea of, of a creative factory is is this idea that it's you know it's quite nuts and bolts it's honest and authentic and it it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, an Instagram queen of a of an environment. It has to deliver the facilities that people need to have that great day at work. And I think that that idea of of, of authenticity really resonated with me. Uh, and with that client, you know, it's a it's a you know, we're we're a design led business working for a design led client, and uh, the the aesthetic language wasn't showy. It was very about very much about um, you know that factory idea. And it seems as as a result of of, of the work that we've done for them, uh, you know that it, it is magnetising people to come back to the office, which at the end of the day is is the challenge that many organisations are facing at the moment. I want to paint a visual of this for a moment because when you say the word factory, it all of a sudden in my mind I, I think about desk farms, <laughs> but but clearly that's not what you're talking about because you're saying design led. So can you paint a picture of this creative factory? <laughs> Yeah, I, I certainly can. I suppose I suppose uh, that the vocabulary that, that we use, you know, evokes different images. Uh, for, for me, it was very much about a, a paired back aesthetic. Uh, you know, everything has a has its purpose, and it's not showy and glamorous. It's very much about maybe a sort of u- more utilitarian feel. Uh, and I think at, at that point, it's almost the kind of uh, you know kind of Henry Ford idea. You know, the, the idea that you know everything you know everything has a purpose. Everything everything has a role. And as a result, the people who come to use the space are sort of liberated. Really, they don't feel that the uh, the environment, you know, uh, owns them. It's actually the, the environment is theirs to do with as they will, and there's a freedom to it. And I think that's quite a it's quite a new idea for the workplace. And I know in a previous employer that I, I worked for, they were never happy with people, you know, reconfiguring the meeting rooms, changing furniture around. For me, there's something really quite freeing and liberating about being able to do that and actually treating people like adults that uh, if they need to rearrange the space so they can have a have a team huddle you know why shouldn't they be able to do that and I think it's 
it's then up to the employer and 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 the team that they use they use to manage the space to to facilitate that and uh i think it's that idea of um you know managing versus leading you know i think you know great leaders are, you know they empower their people uh, and i think that's that's a a kind of new overlay to the space is this idea of curating it uh, and allowing that level of freedom. When, now you're speaking my language. I, I, I love the idea of, of creating an office as a tool in the platform of work and giving, empowering people to use that tool whatever day they need to. But I noticed, you know, I just want to pick up on something. You said the creative day at work. You didn't say creative days at work. So are you implying that Frog is, is only coming into the office one day a week? Or is that something that I'm just picking up on? I think it is something you're just picking up on. But I, it, it's probably a subconscious thing from, from myself, really, is that speaking with client teams at the moment, it's really interesting to see not just the purpose of the office, but the, the planned cadence and what's driving that, that cadence to come back into a, a physical space, to come together as a, as a team. And it seems very much like the team day is that main driver. And when people do come together, language that uh, even quite you know traditional businesses are using, and you know they're using the language of collaboration. They're talking about coming together, sense of community. And I think when we think about those type of activities inherently, you know, why do people come together? They come together to solve problems. They come together, you know, to bond, to connect with each other. Uh, and renew those bonds that maybe over the you know the past two years have been have been stretched and actually that you know by its very nature it, it sort of it, it re- reasserts those bonds and makes us think differently about the problems we have to solve and and maybe about you know the, the sort of wider picture about about where our businesses are, are going well you use the word community and and i appreciate that because that's a recurring theme this season and, and i want to dive into that in just a moment but I'm really, really want to hear from a workplace strategy and design perspective. You know, we talked about Frog a little bit, but, uh, and we'll put a, a link to give, if anybody wants to go see the virtual tour, you can see it online in, in Dan's LinkedIn. But I'm wondering if, are there any specific trends or themes that you're seeing with how companies are reinventing their offices, you know, as we're coming back out of this pandemic? I think one, one of the key trends is is to think about what what those elements are that are going to magnetize rather than mandate people to come back into the office and some of those things can be you know, quite quite simple things the quality of the coffee for example i know and obviously as a as a as a as a coffee drinker that's always one of my main motivations either the proximity of an office to a uh, you know coffee shop or the facilities in house and uh, we've been doing some work with Sodexo, the the fm and catering provider and for, for them it was a really interesting part of, of of the puzzle. Wait, sorry, the coffee was the part of the pu- interesting part of the puzzle. It it, it was because actually there's, there's always a there's always a, a a trade-off between going the whole hog and providing a barista and that whole kind of uh, managed experience versus putting in you know the opposite end of the spectrum is a gallon you know tub of of, of Nescafe you know instant coffee. Oh crack. my god! And I think you know, th- there's always uh, you know lots of different perceptions about the merits of, of either you know cost versus you know experience and and for them with, within their space um, they've got a relatively small space now in in the, in the center of london and actually they they reframe the role of their headquarters environment to be very much about an experience center for their for themselves their clients their customers 
But that whole piece around catering, you know, it's what they do as, as a business. But, you know, having somebody on site all, all the time, you know, it, it, it didn't work for them from a, from a usage perspective. But what they did is they, they went down the route of, you know, researching into the market the best provision in terms of bean to cup machine and actually made sure that the, the provision then suited the, the usage model. What I was kind of getting to with this is is what what they've done is when when they need it they they have an augmented provision. So they actually have a facility they bring in which is a much bigger catering provision. I think that idea of of a almost like a minimum viable product for your for your office that you then augment with either things like catering or you know AV and event space. Or you know, sort of well-being aspects, I think is a really interesting way to think about that workplace experience. So rather than sort of uh, you know, opinions of oh well, you know, let's build a gym and, and let's mm-hmm. build a games room and let's kind of you know keep on adding these elements. If the if your usage model, your cadence is is much reduced from what it was before, thinking about that idea of what what's the minimum that we need to do on a day-to-day basis, but how can we create those events and that sense of community to to magnetize people to come back in because it may well you you know you don't need that barista five days a week but if you're if you're struggling with occupancy on a friday for example you know guesting that service in into your office all of a sudden becomes quite an attractor um and you know maybe you you experiment and you try those things out and use the data of how successful that was to maybe inform what happens next month and it um I suppose it it it's more akin to you know the the world that you live in you know the, the co-working uh, flex market where actually experience is, is king isn't it yeah that's a brilliant segue because i was going to ask as these companies are shrinking their footprints and doing that mvp office to augment when they when they need to have you guys worked on any projects where your customers in a building that has access to an operator light bold or you know a, a space as a service footprint in a building in is that how they're tapping in and augmenting on the days that they need to? I think the informed clients are what what we do as uh, you know from a from a consultancy perspective is we suggest to our clients, especially those who are looking to relocate or you know change the shape and size of, of their real estate, is to proactively look look for buildings that have that provision within the footprint. Certainly in in these days where we're we're looking for not necessarily a, a, a rationalised footprint, but a a footprint that's informed by you know reduced patterns of occupancy and cadence we have to be quite careful about how close to the bone we, we cut that sort of supply demand equation and what's what's giving some comfort to that so for example if we've got a you know a, a company of 500 people and they're looking at probably you know, a much lower cadence of occupancy maybe sort of you know 40 percent of, of of what they uh, of what they had before so let's think you know 200 people in the office at any one time they may have may well have occupancy peaks during their their month or you know across the year for various mm. reasons and actually thinking about that peak if there's a flex provider within that footprint all of a sudden that's the pressure release valve yep and it and it actually enables that that minimum viable product to be a much smaller footprint um and i think there's a there's a there's a backdrop to this kind of cadence bit which is the uh the, the data, the usage and occupancy data that many clients are referring to is still really peaky. And, um, you know, thinking back over the past couple of years with all the all the lockdowns and all the 
or the or the changes that that we've been through um i i don't believe it's settled into a predictable sort of model as yet and so w- with that in mind flex space is a is a, is a brilliant addition to that that uh, strategy i don't think there's a there's going to there's going to be a set cadence across the board i think it will be vary from company to company but it's interesting that your strategy and the design strategy that you guys put together for your customers is driven in some cases by the amenities that are in in the building that the company chooses to locate and it makes sense because you know why put a big event space for all hands within your demise if it's if you've got access to one within the building why have your barista if there's already one on the ground floor right yeah absolutely i think i think the, the other interesting piece is you know how often do you use these facilities and and i think that's uh yeah. that's it's an interesting pushback you know post covid is well you, you might you may need those but how often? And that comes down to just even even desks. Uh, you know, how often will they be used, and, and what does a typical work week look like? And you know, these, these are questions that you know we've been asking for for years. But actually, they they kind of um, the, the events the past couple of years that have just brought yep. up that that usage piece in so much more detail. Uh, it's you know you, you can't ignore you know empty facilities that are all, you know costing organisations money to 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 keep maintained. No, and we've been talking on this podcast probably since its beginning about companies shrinking their footprint, being more efficient, going into buildings that have the services and the provisions on demand for them. And I think this just underlines that. And going forward, the what's going to drive value and put, put pressure on, but drive value uh, on land, for landlords and their assets is, is to have in those service provisions in there for companies to tap into on demand. Let's come back to the community, though, because that, as I said, that's a big recurring theme for us this season. And I wrote a LinkedIn article about the three C's in commercial real estate community being one of them. How do you see community playing a role now in the office going forward? I think it's I think it's fairly vital just even even in the in the short term to act as a as, as a motivator for people to come back together. Lots of businesses have, have been talking about uh, you know, erosion of their, of their culture with a you know a, a widely distributed workforce uh, and there's only so many you know zoom and team calls that you can do to try and reinforce that and i think you know during the sort of the more difficult parts of the lockdown period where that was all people had you know there were, there were you know, people tried all kinds of formats you know the kind of you know remote digital pub quizzes and, and such like um, but i think you know c- coming back out out of that into a more face-to-face world um I think there's a real importance to uh, to to create a, events and and happenings that that represent what what your business is is about and and talk about your your values and I think some of that is sometimes it, it's it's larger scale events but it can also be those kind of smaller scale you know bonds and interactions between people that that do kind of helps people you know kind of reinstate those relationships again because I think there's a it's probably fair to say that you know lots of relationships have, have been strained you know working in that in that remote sort of distributed model um and i think you know when we think about that idea of community the idea of common purpose shared values that you know that's that's the essence of a, of a business yeah it reinforces the brand itself and of the company but you know from a consulting perspective when you're helping your customers design a space that can bring that community together how do you do it? How do you suggest uh, what goes into the thinking around design for community? It comes back to the, one of the first things that we talked about is is actually you know a deep 
kind of level of engagement across across a business. Um, often the the key decision makers at, at the at that sort of you know upper upper levels of the business aren't necessarily concerned with the kind of the kind of community aspects, the kind of uh, the sort of soft elements. They're more interested in the um, you know in the in the facts and figures, the the key business decisions, and the the impact on uh, you know return on on investments and such like. And I think you know one uh, one conversation I had recently was is this idea of hardware and software, and the idea that you know. The, the, the building itself, and then the people who use it, you know, you have to get those two things in, in equilibrium, really. And I think when we think about this idea of culture, behaviours and community, that's that's not owned by a property team. It's not owned by the procurement team. Uh, you know, it sits somewhere in, in the part of the business that's, you know, it's all around people, HR, and actually the people who manage that experience on a, on a day-to-day within an organisation. And I think it's really important to poll those opinions and also, you know, to, to take some of the sort of bigger aspirations, whether that's the sort of you know, the diversity inclusion, whether it's it's more about the more fun aspects and elements of a business and make sure that's equally represented when you're thinking about your real estate decisions. And, and typically they're, they're, they're not, are they? You know, it's, it's often a, a hard and fast kind of, you know, commercial decision. But w- when we talk to clients, we make sure that, you know, that those are represented and that when we help build those business cases that, that idea of you know return on investment this is as much about return on experience Ooh. but actually there's a you know how, how do you measure that and how do you make sure the right people are, in, are involved with that process i love that phrase return on experience and i think how, how do you measure it maybe that goes to recruitment figures or you know talent uh, retention i'm not sure to be to, to the full answer but that's a fantastic question to be posing I'll throw that out to the workplace uh, <laughs> workplace strategy uh, community out there. But uh, I think you know what you're describing in that last bit was tying helping companies connect their their space uh, to their mission, to their values, bringing in that community, reinforcing their own brand, and in uh, creating an, an experience to bring it all together. That's fantastic, and that's obviously something you guys do for enterprise companies, fast growing companies as well. But I want to sort of segue over, switch over to the spaces of service operators because you also support and design for them as well and for us. So has anything changed in this area of your business? It's become much more prominent in a lot of ways. And it's interesting to be an observer of, of the workplace sector and see people's perception of, of flex space really changing. Um, certainly in, in, in this country, it, it was seen as a as a maybe as a second class provision or of a transient alternative uh, and now we're actually seeing large corporates seeing it as a fairly integral part of their estate strategy it's not just for startups you know with, i think that that's a that's a really big shift and you know the sort of informal conversations that we have about with 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 clients it's it, it's it's seen as a, not just a serious alternative but actually an essential part of their strategy, as as we said before, in this idea of a of a buffer or a pressure release. Many companies have ne- have never had that in their strategy before. In fact, you know, now we're in the opposite, where most companies have got an excess of space. You know, they're in a very different situation where they they can see you know the challenges ahead. And if they're stuck with long term leases, the frustration um, of of those teams who have to sort of sit on that empty real estate, that they've re- they've really seen the light. And, and where possible, that's, you know, the, the flex space, space as a service has become integral and, and interestingly, a much kind of, uh, you know, diff- different sort of profile of business that, that we would have expected it before. 
Well, it is. And it's, it's a music to my ears to, it's been great to, it, I would say it's been great in earlier years, but it's been great to, to see the evolution and to see that uh, both customers and landlords are embracing spaces of service, co-working flex. And, you know, obviously uh, I'm a bit biased there, but <laughs> I, I'm in this business because I believe it's the future and not the, I'm not trying to, you know, create a, a future be, just because I'm in the business. So, uh, uh, but naturally I'm biased. But another topic that's, that's really dear on the operator side to my heart is brand. So I'm curious what your view on brand is. And, you know, obviously you guys design for different brands. Is it really just a sticker or does it, does it really make a difference to customers? I'm going to put a question back to you. Are, are you talking about the brand of a, of, a, of a flex space provider or brand of an organization themselves? I'm talking about the operator brand. Does it make okay. a difference of what brand the operator is? when a customer's deciding on where to go? I, I think it does. I think that idea of, of leverage of people's perceptions of, of that brand is, is actually really, you know, it's, it, it, it will influence that decision. And, and I think there's a level of kudos ar- around that, which I suppose it, it, it enables, you know, that, that client to talk with confidence about why they're doing it to their client base. And it, as I said before, it's not, it's not seen as an inferior alternative. In fact, you know, the, the language around, you know, co-work and flex space providers, you know, it's, it's experience first, it's the, the quality, the professionalism, and it's not this idea of, of a transient, you know, booking a desk as you go model. It's just has become an interesting benchmark and, a, and a, a, a reference point for clients. When we talk about their space, it's actually, you know, we want this to feel like a co-work space. And that, that's quite an interesting switch around that the clients, it's, it's become an aspirational model. That is very interesting. And of course, naturally, I've got to ask, do they say which brand they want to feel like <laughs> or, or do they just make the blanket statement? <laughs> naturally, they're going to say they want to feel like bold, of course. That, that, that's the one. I, how could I say anything different? I think, um, you know, I think like, like, like anything, it, it, it comes down to those, uh, you know, informal reference points. You know certain brands that may have beer on tap and and so on <laughs> and, I, and i think you know in, initially you know if you're having a, a a chat down the pub it might it might be along that basis but i think that the market has has matured massively and uh, certainly the clients that we've speaking to are, are very informed now about market provision and not just the facilities but that as i said that i did kudos the idea of well you know do we want to be leveraging the values of, of you know, such and such a brand over another? And actually how, how that reflects on them, you know, I think changes their perception even further. As I said, especially when they're talking to their clients, if they say they've got an enterprise space in a, in a co-work provider, there's always a danger that it's seen as transient. And I think no business wants to be seen as, as transient. But there, there, is a, there is a challenge in that, we, you know, it's become a very, you know, volatile and uncertain future. Uh, and we, you know, all businesses are going to need an element of flex within their strategy, and, and how they how they how they do that uh, without those negative perceptions is fairly key. Yeah, and I, I think you said it earlier: uh, flex or spaces of service or co-working, whatever name we want to call it, is becoming part of the estate strategy yeah. or the portfolio strategy for companies. And if that's the case, if they're aligning with brands that share their core values, so the operator they choose helps reinforce their own brand values then you've got a winning combination and it doesn't look transient. Yeah, just coming back on that point, I, I don't think it just reinforces them. I think it elevates them in, in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. And actually, you know, to, to be seen 
with that kind of maybe that freshness that vibrancy and maybe the kind of almost the youthfulness that maybe that sector exudes i i think that that becomes an interesting part of the equation in terms of talent attraction and I, and in this if you're if, as a business if you're if you're struggling to re- attract and recruit maybe because of the, the the geography of where where your office is based or you know the perception you know putting yourself into that kind of space is is an absolute game changer and you know it could be the ingredient you need to change people's expectations couldn't it well there you go i don't think i can add anything else to that i think you summed it up really nicely what i will say is a repeat or slightly paraphrased statement that you said earlier co-working is no longer just for startups that's the one that's the one that's it dan dan thank you so much for coming on we're gonna put links to your linkedin in the show notes so people can connect with you Dan, thanks so much again really appreciate it and looking forward to seeing you at one of your events soon many thanks many thanks for your time and thank you for listening today and until next time take care of yourself And now, the final break to complete the story of how TSK helped Kellogg's create their workplace of the future, this time in the words of Kellogg's, which means I have to mention, I had a chance to meet Kellogg's European facilities manager, Derek McDonald, on a recent trip to Manchester, England. Let's hear what he and his team have to say. We found that we had a natural attrition rate where people, once we opened the office, with no pressure, they started to come back in. Now when you walk in the door here, the flavour that you get, you see all the branding, you see how light and airy and spacious it is. There's so many different spaces to work in, not just standard desks. It just really, really works very well. When we saw it come to life, it was really interesting because you never really think it's going to look like it's going to in the picture, but it did. You definitely know it's a Kellogg's building when you walk into this floor and I love the reaction of everybody who comes here. It's nice to now be proud of a workspace. When you look at the design of the office, TSK really understood that from where our culture is to where we want it to be. We want the people mingling, we want the people to get to know each other and it's very evident in the layouts, the designs and when you look at our brands and our colours and our phone and our, our product, that's evident here. And that was great working with a team that understood what we were about, what we wanted. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favours the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. Making a high-quality podcast like this one takes a lot of work. That's a fact. But not when you hire a podcast company. With our White Glove experience, we handle everything for you. From guest outreach all the way through to publishing and promotion, we handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews and build relationships with your guests, and we take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a new relationship. With a weekly podcast, you'd build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through your podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe that 52 new relationships would help grow your business? We do. Contact jason at apodcastcompany.com and let's talk.